You're listening to episode 168, Talk About Vows and Speeches with Brian Franklin. Brian Franklin is the co-founder of Vows and Speeches and oversees all interviews and script writing. Prior to forming the company, most of Brian's 25 years of work in writing and advertising has been as an award-winning political consultant and communication strategist, including speechwriting for federal and state campaigns. Brian's friends and family knew he wrote speeches and other communications, so he occasionally got the chance to apply his skills to weddings and other non-political applications, which are, as you might imagine, much more fun, especially these days. As Brian officiated weddings and assisted on wedding party speeches, he discovered that politics has some similarity to weddings. Both are delicate affairs that require careful wording, distilling a lot of information down to more palatable segments, and balancing the desires of different people with very different ideas. Thus, Vows and Speeches was born. Brian is here to shed some light on why wedding pros should care about our clients' vows and speeches, and how he and his company can help us serve our clients at a higher level. Plus, it is just fascinating to hear about the transition between politics and the wedding industry. So friends, go grab your coffee, grab your tea, grab your notebook, and let's talk it out. Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow, biz chat for wedding pros and creatives. Tune in every week for no BS real talk from industry experts that want to help you thrive in your business and your life. Here's your host, event planner, educator, and sushi addict, Renee Dallow. Grab a glass and get ready to talk it out. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Talk with Renee Dallow. It is me, your host, Renee Dallow, and I am joined this week by the lovely and talented Brian Franklin from Vows and Speeches. Brian, how are you today? I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, sure. I'm very excited to talk to you because... Uh, your business is so unique and I think how you got into your business is such an interesting story. And, you know, as my listeners know, um, I am a public speaker, so I'm always interested in talking to other speechwriters. So Brian, tell us how you came to your business, Vows and Speeches. So Vows and Speeches was born out of a couple of different events in my life. I had been working in politics for a long time, writing speeches, writing communications and advertising and strategy for, for political campaigns. And I've been for many years trying to get out of it. I mean, let's, you know, politics is, is no longer fun and uh, <laughs> it hasn't been fun for a while. And regardless of what side you're on, it's just, it's, it's not fun. So uh, it was it was exciting and uh, a good way to make a living for a while, but, uh, but I, I had been tired of it and wanting to try some other things and, and poked at a couple of different businesses and cybersecurity training and, th- and things like that. But, but uh, I was, it was right before the pandemic or in the middle of pandemic, I decided to start doing a, podca- a podcast of my own. And I was in mostly interviewing musicians and people that I happened to know that were, had achieved some level of success in their field. And one of them was a guy named John Max. And John was a writer on The Tonight Show for many years. And he was also involved in politics and he was a ghost speech writer for celebrities and that sort of thing. So I, I started thinking about my own skill set and what I could do that would be remote and, and give me some flexibility, but also something that took advantage of my experience and skill set. And speech writing was something that I started thinking about and having having done a few weddings in the past, having officiated a few weddings in the past and uh, having helped my friends and family with their wedding speeches and toasts, I started looking at that 
and it seemed like a market that was grossly underserved and that the public generally didn't know existed as a service. And so at the same time, I was looking at Clubhouse, at the app, for the first time. Oh, remember time. Clubhouse when we wasted yeah. all of our days on Clubhouse? That was fun. Yeah, you know, <laughs> as, as many people did in, in, in the industry, not I, I think I think it was a place for a lot of wedding professionals to go and and chat and get through the get through the COVID times as best yeah. they could as a community, and so I caught the very tail end of that when I decided to go on Clubhouse and I I was in this one room, and I raised my hand and I and I asked you know what do you think about the idea of, of wedding speeches as a service for uh, for couples to prevent disaster in their wedding and and uh, for people that want to do a good job that have trouble with public speaking as as many politicians did but uh, but that was our job that's to help was to help them so I raised my hand I asked the question and then immediately they were like yes yes and you should add ceremony scripts for amateur officiants and you should add custom vows for people that need help writing their own vows and a light went on I sat and listened to other question askers and I as well, while the room was going on, I went on GoDaddy. I grabbed vowsandspeeches.com. A few hours later, I had a fully functioning website. We had a graphic designer on staff who happened to do a logo that I liked right out of the box. And I sent the, uh, I sent the fully fledged website back to the people that, uh, that I had asked the question of, and they freaked out. And I put some ads up, and the next day I had a client. And <laughs> that's amazing. And I, I remember thinking to myself, okay, well, there's something here. There's definitely something here. And we poked around at, with some ads. And then we realized very quickly that this was such a new service for couples. And it was so different that most people didn't really know what to make of it right away. And it took a little bit more explanation. So we, it took some experimenting. And finally, I realized that it was the wedding planners and the, and the DJs and the videographers, the people that have the most exposure to the problem that had the that were the best conduits for this to the couples and as soon as i started talking to the wedding planners uh, which was right before i met you renee last year at wedding mba it was mm -hmm. i mean it was probably a few weeks before that i had started reaching out to wedding planners and and we got tremendous responses and all of a sudden we started getting wedding planners that loved it that were talking to their clients and then we had a business and it and it was at wedding MBA when we when my wife Nicole, who was my partner and, and uh, co-founder of the business, we were walking around wedding MBA talking to people, and it was there where we realized, okay, we this is this is for real, this is something, and we've got to we've got to do this, and uh, yeah, and and we were walking out, and she's like, you know, you've had a lot of cockamamie ideas in the past, but this isn't one of them, <laughs> and so and I so love I, it. we this went, isn't one we of went them. to dinner, yeah. and, and we went to dinner, we decided that we were going to leave our successful political business or at least in part and uh and go full speed into this and uh and it's been uh, it's been a riot ever since <laughs> i that's love the, that's, so that's the story <laughs> well that no i mean it's an, it's an amazing story but there's so many things i want to point out here to the listeners to anyone who's in the early stages of their business i mean the fact that you were on clubhouse had an idea shared the idea with the room and then immediately went to GoDaddy and purchased like there i mean the way you say it now of course i'm sure it smooths over the edges but like no hesitation no just like i guess we'll try it i, that, I, I, I am a little compulsive i guess about those kinds of things. no but brian that's that's what i think is missing sometimes with so many entrepreneurs is that they have this idea they sit on it forever they take no action and then oh guess what someone else gets the idea or someone else moves forward with something and they're like that was my idea like well what what did you do about it did you do nothing did you write in your journal about it did you 
tell no, not a single person, take no action at all. Like, what did you do? I love that you were like, let's just try. Let, what's the worst that can happen? Let me throw, let me use the resources I already have, the ability to, to buy a domain, the ability to throw up a, bear, a website, the ability to get a logo design like that. That seemed like it was all within reach for you. Why not? That really, that really came out of politics because a lot of yes. what we would do was rapid response. And so you'd have something would happen in the race, something would happen in the news and you needed to throw up a petition site or, or uh, send out emails really quickly to your supporters that says, this is, this happened, you know, please, please help us or, you know, or please help us make a statement or call your congressman or that sort of thing. Right. And so political consultants in general know how to get those things up and running very, very quickly and, and put together what would take a normal corporation weeks right. uh, to do in, in a <laughs> right. matter of hours. And that's, right, that's one other... skill set you, you learn. No, in, that's in an amazing skill set though, because it's like, I, I'm just, I just know, I talk to so many like startup businesses, especially with this podcast. Right. And oftentimes it's like, well, I had this idea then I talked to a bunch of people and then I had to like, you know, proof of concept it. And then we did like 17 you know con logo revisions it's like oh my god just do just go it just do it do it do it you know yeah i feel like you learn so much more when you're in action with something than when you're still in the ideation part of things i think that's something that that when you look at as i'm learning about the wedding industry you see a lot in wedding planners they know they they also have that that skill set that political consultants do they know how to create something in a matter of hours that that yeah. is both beautiful and complex in its logistics right and yeah. and for most entrepreneurs I, or or anybody that's just starting a business of any kind you don't have enough people or resources to get into the in, into the weeds of it sometimes you just need to run and and that's i think what you're you're talking about details that mire people in quicksand mm -hmm. very quick you know and it's and it's, it's something that happens to me even some days too where i'll have all mm -hmm. of these ideas about how to grow the business and then you just wind up with data paralysis because you just look at them all and you just don't know where yeah. to start with them right well i mean even for me like you know i've been in this wedding space for a million years now and uh, we're launching a new thing and um at the well this will air in january right so we're launching a new thing in a matter of weeks but uh, last year when I was in the ideation phase, I literally was like, well, I was putting together a spreadsheet. I was like, well, a new website's going to cost this much and a logo. I should hire this designer that I like, and then I should do branding. And I was really getting myself down like a $10,000 hole with this idea. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, this is dumb. I launch things all the time. I'm just going to bootstrap it, see if it has legs. And then we can always go big on it once we have money to invest. Like I was talking myself out of even starting because I was like, oh, this is such a big commitment. And it's like, it isn't yeah. really. You just have to start. You have to put the idea out there in whatever way you can. And like, you can always change the logo. You can always build a new website if you need it, you know? You can always upgrade your CRM. There, there are so right. many different, there are so many different pieces to this that can come later and you just need to be efficient enough. And part of efficiency is just looking at something and saying, this is not necessary. This is not, mm -hmm. this is going to, learning this will slow me down. Absolutely. Right, doing, and and how much how much time do I really realistically have to refine all of these things, and yeah. and I think that's that's true for for writing as well. When you when people look at all of the things they want to say, whether it's in the vows or in or in a wedding speech, or even in a, a presentation that you're making for other wedding professionals, it's very easy to, to go too far with the details and get too complex. And in your own head, when really you just need to say a few simple things <laughs> and yeah. do them well. 
do you find though that a lot of the people that come to you have a lot of like mental or like emotional hangups about writing? Because I I sense that in people sometimes like as a as a planner with a client, they'll be like, well, I'm just not a very good writer. And I'm like, who told you this? Is this like a grade school thing that's that you've held on to all these years? Like, I don't know. Do you get that sense as a professional writer? Yeah, I think that most of them come from a place where they just simply don't know how to articulate these kinds of feelings. You might be a good professional writer. You might not, you might know how to write a business plan, but that's very different than writing how you feel about your fiance uh, and, and do it in a minute and a half. Right. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a completely different skill set. I, you know, I tell people I would, I'm a professional writer, but I would probably struggle to do that myself because you're, there's that forest trees thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and you sometimes need somebody to say, no, 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 no. Just pull it. Just say this. Right. Just pull, right. pull it back. This is what you're trying to say. Just say this. Right? right. And, and that's, it's always helpful to have an editor. Every, even the best writers have editors. So what's the process like when a client comes to you and says like, Oh my God, please help me write this, this, these vows or help me write my maid of honor speech. It always starts with an interview where we, and it's between 30 minutes and an hour, depending on how long we're writing and how much they're, they're able to say what they want to say right out of the get. Uh, right out of the get-go. But it starts with a bunch of questions. And these questions range from the obvious, how did you meet, you know, or, or how did you, how do you know them, to how do you resolve conflicts? Or, you know, how are, if you were going to give somebody advice on how to, uh, on how to make your daughter the happiest person and the happiest wife in the world, what would that advice be? Things that, 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 stretch the gamut from feelings to experiences and as long at some point in there i'll hear something that i know is a hook that i know will be funny or i know that will be moving and a part of the story and then i'll then i'll jump and say wait wait, tell me more about that tell me give me give me you know okay yeah you guys met in a in a coffee shop but what what did you do you remember what what you thought when you first saw her you know Mm -hmm. do you remember what you thought at the end of the of the day What, what, what were your feelings and some of those things come out beautifully and easily, and sometimes it takes a whole lot of questions to get there. I've had uh, I've had a couple of clients recently where they, you know, is your daughter funny? No, well, not really. <laughs> well, at least they're honest, I guess. <laughs> What's was she outgoing? No, no. Was she shy? No. <laughs> wow. So so sometimes it takes a lot of pulling teeth, but at the end, so anyway, at the end, I'll have all of this. Uh, this interview transcribed, I use an AI uh, program called Otter to take the notes and, and it separates the different voices in, in the transcription. It's great. And then I'm able to go back and reference that as I'm writing. I'll write the first draft. I'll send it to them. Sometimes there's very few changes because these are their own words mm-hmm. for the most part or things at least that they've conveyed to me so that it feels familiar to them. Sometimes I'll use words that they wouldn't use and we'll make some minor edits. But at any rate, they get as many edits as they need to get it to get themselves to a point where they love the draft. And then once they love the draft, hopefully they've left enough time to practice it. And that's such a key component of this because they need to practice it for it not to sound like they're reading. Right. Do you, do and, you advise them to yeah. memorize it or no? No, no, I don't. Yeah. I, I've I've had a few clients that are able to do that and they just the kinds of people that either put the time in or just know how to memorize things very well. But for the most part, everybody uses a printed out piece of paper. And I tell them, don't use their phones because you don't want that underlit 
ghost you know, Halloween like flashlight. Okay, thank you for saying that because like yeah. I listen, I love tech. I'm obsessed with my phone like everybody else, but it is very weird at a wedding to have like we spend so much time working on the lighting and the ambiance and how yeah. beautifully glowing and amber the room is, and then we've got this horrible blue light giving everyone like a double chin. It's not a good look. Or or you have a picture of them looking at their phone. Right. And, and, and yes, yeah. they have a microphone, but they're looking at their phone. It is not the same. No, it's like, as, just go as, old as, school. Uh, just put it in a right. little, handwrite it in a book or print it out in a little book. Like put it in something that looks fine or, or just looks like nondescript from a distance. But yeah, no, yeah. I'm not on board. Or the phone or God forbid the iPad. I've had a lot of officiants try to pull the yeah, iPad uh, on no, me. I'm no. like, oh, <laughs> no, that's even bigger and worse. Don't do that. And it's also yeah. hard to track. I mean, there's, it, when you're looking at a piece of paper that has, it's large enough to, I mean, the iPad doesn't have this problem, but it has the lighting problem. But, yeah. but you, the phones, when you're in the middle of a two or three minute speech, you're, you're now you're scrolling to find your place because you look, yeah, <laughs> and no, it's just, it it's doesn't bad. work very well. But that's one of the things that we do too. Once they have a draft that they like and they've practiced it, we have a, we have a practice session with them and we do some of the, for lack of a better word, media training or, or, or presentation training. And, and that is simply a session where we have them read it to us. We give them some advice. Hey, listen, you're, you're monotone here. You need to speed it up here, slow it down here, emphasize this word for comedic effect, put a little more emotion here, get excited. And, and once they've had that training, they usually go in, if they're afraid of public speaking or they're afraid of getting in front of their friends and family and spilling their guts about how much they love somebody, they go in a lot differently. They go in with a lot more confidence because they've had some some help with this. And I'm one of those people that I need to practice. I need to do what I tell my clients to do. And yeah. I, I'm not as comfortable as an ex, as a speaker extemporaneously. I have some verbal tics that I, I work out as I practice stuff, right? So it, it's something that is critically important for people that have anything like that, or if they're, or if they just have anxiety about doing it without guidance. And it's yeah. one of the few parts, and, and it's one of the few parts of the wedding that is has been traditionally left without a lot of guidance. Yeah, and, I see that. It's very true. I mean, I because I'm a public speaker. You know, you and I were talking about this before we started recording. Like, I give them a little guidance in that area, and just that, like, I require that this that the speech givers send me their speeches so that I can you know, see if they're like six pages long, because that's not going to happen. Or yeah. if they don't have an ending, right? I also try to tell my my speech givers the exact time to the to my best knowledge that they're going to speak instead of this sort of amorphous like speeches happen starting at eight o'clock. It's like you're going to go at 810. It just gives them a little more sense of control over it, especially if they're nervous. But then yeah. also, I, I don't know if you talk to people about this, but Lately, and I by lately, I mean only this season, have I really started um, giving direction to the toasters about how to hold a microphone? Because what Absolutely. I realized is that people who do not regularly hold a microphone, which is like 90% of people, they always put it in their dominant hand, but that's also the hand that they're used to gesturing with. So then they mm -hmm. gesture wildly with the microphone and no one can hear them. So now I say like at the rehearsal, like at the ceremony rehearsal, I'll be like, who are my toasters? Please come here. And I'll be like, hey, just a heads up on the mic. You have to hold it really close to your mouth and please hold it in your non-dominant hand so that you can still gesture or you can still hold your paper in the hand. And they're like, oh, yeah. I'm like, and these are just things that as a public speaker, when someone hands me a mic, it goes in my left hand 100 percent of the time. <laughs> like, I don't. Yeah, no, it, right? I, I, I tell the, I tell all our clients the same thing. I tell, yeah. them, I tell them how to hold the microphone. But I also tell them it, 
because we try and be funny. We have we have <laughs> the ability to write jokes as part of this, and it's yeah. one of the best parts of the job. I haven't had it early in my advertising career. I had a job where I was writing onion-like headlines to the news. Oh, nice! You know? That's fun. And it was, I had six months where that's all I did was just write, look at the news, and write some stupid headline to it. So I've you know I've, this has been that was prior to this the most fun I've ever had at work. Now this is the most fun. We get to have a lot of fun with these with some of these speeches, especially and. I tell them you have to stop for the laughter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like if you just if you if you tell a joke and you don't give at least a little bit of time for that laugh laughter to happen and then subside enough for the people to hear you, you're they're not gonna hear the next line. And that next line might be very emotional or it might be very powerful or just as funny as the previous line and you want them to keep going. Right. So don't step on the client. Or sorry, yeah. sorry, step on the uh, step on the crowd here. Holding and for just, laughs is such an, an interesting skill to teach someone quickly because I remember when I was, you know, training as an actor, I remember I mean, I this was like when I was a teenager, feeling really uncomfortable with holding for laughs. Like Oh, I'm just gonna let them laugh. It's like it's a, it's almost like in reality, it's a momentary pause, but you have to let it happen. Otherwise, the laughs will die, and then in your memory, you're gonna be like, oh, I didn't. I guess they didn't think that was funny. It's like no, they were laughing. You just talked yeah. over them. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they're they're laughing, thinking about the joke that you just made, and if they're doing that, they're not hearing the next joke or the next line. You know. Yeah. So it's it's these are little things that people just don't know or they've forgotten because they don't normally sit in front of 150 people and and talk to them <laughs> and no, give a speech. True. They're not used to that. They're not used to looking at copy and seeing how much time this copy means because right. they haven't timed it out, right? No, right. people don't know what three minutes looks like on a page. Or No, they don't. Pages. You know what's funny too is when I'm talking to my clients about like about the timeline, I'll say, okay, so two minutes for your parents' speech. And they're like, they're going to need more than two. I'm like, have they, have they ever spoken for two minutes straight? Yeah. Because it, it feels like more when you're doing it. The only person, the only father of a bride or father of a groom rather that I've ever had really just blow through my was through my uh, timeline parameters was a famous actor and he was hilarious and I was like I'll let him talk for an hour everyone was enthralled by it so I was like yeah. keep keep going sir I'm not going to shut you down I'm not going to play playoff music but for everyone else who's not a professional entertainer two minutes is plenty of time two minutes is plenty of time and the thing that I I tell people when when they're starting to go long is that it's really hard to make five minutes exciting. It's it, it, comedians work for years and years just to do five minutes of really yep. good stand up, right? It's true. And My husband not, is a stand up and, and yeah, a tight five is hard. It's really hard. And it's really hard. And so to write that effectively, you, you can do it, but, but you gotta do, you gotta be really good and you've got to put some dynamics in it. So I tell people, think about, Think about your favorite songs. First of all, they're not more than five minutes generally. I mean, there's a cup. There are a few songs: "Stairway to Heaven" and "Bohemian Rhapsody." And, all too well, Taylor again. Swift, and ten minute edition. It's all I'll too go, well. I'll go to the, bat the, for that. I'll go the to ten, bat for which it. Which is the longest song that's a top ten in history. I looked she, this up today. Yes, right? she she ousted and, um, um, uh, American Pie. Yeah, yeah. Like that yeah. was like the longest number one song, and then Taylor came along and was like, "I'm sorry, <clears throat> excuse right. me." So sorry, just had but to send but, up for Taylor. But all the awesome. other, but all the <laughs> other, it's 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 almost as long as you as most people will wait to buy tickets, right? Um, <laughs> but most people, uh, your favorite songs are not that long. Generally speaking, there's going to be three to four minutes, and even within that song, there's going to be tempo changes or yes. dynamic changes. So you're not going to always start with. You're not going to have the same tone throughout the song there might be a chorus it might dip down the drums might come out 
think about your writing and this goes for wedding professionals alike you know it it's not just for wedding speeches or for vows or it, it's for any kind of speaking you want there to be paces pace changes or dynamic changes and if you think of it like a like a concert set list where, where your favorite metal band still throws in uh, an acoustic number to, to change it up, or you think about your favorite song, that's how you should look at your at your writing and your presentation. And there should be some ups and downs to it as you're doing it. And if you don't do that, if you don't raise your voice a little bit and raise your tone or drop down a little bit when you get mm -hmm. serious, then... It's boring. It's just going to be boring. People, people, people will out. start to drift. Right. I mean, that's and, what and that's on stage too. Like if I have a 45 minute presentation, there's gotta be hills, valleys, whispers, right. yeah, shouts. Like there's gotta be something. Otherwise, you know, it, it's very it can't hard all to be, hold someone's it, attention. It can't all be educational. It, no. There has to be story. There, there has to be stories. Stories, there has jokes, to be, irreverent yeah. things. Call out to yeah. the crowd, asking questions, asking for feedback. Of course, you wouldn't do this in a bow or a toast. I mean, but it's the same thing about like you have to look for the levels and the ways to keep people engaged. People's attention spans are ridiculous now. Two minutes is right. too long for most people. Right, right. Yeah. And in a wedding speech, or, or sorry, in the wedding vows. At the very end, most most people want to have a series of vows at the end, not you know, not just one. And so what we'll do is we'll have two out of four of them be really serious, right? And 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 maybe they'll be like lightly that. lightly referencing the the funny ones might be lightly referencing some of the jokes that were made inside of the you know inside of the the vow, but but otherwise we're we're gonna have some fun back and forth just to break up the seriousness of it because there is a point where it gets overwrought or it becomes overly cheesy or overly serious and, yeah. and this is a celebration ultimately and so you need to break it up and you can't also make it all funny because if you do that then it, it's you don't want it to feel like it it's a joke right it's right. not a joke you're still right. in love so, i've been to a wedding so, like that once yeah. honestly where the entire ceremony felt like one big joke like yucca yucca joke and i was like why are we why did we come out of our way to come to this like they're not taking it seriously even though now that i look back yeah. at it they were probably just deflecting from you know that over, sometimes people when they feel overly emotional they just want to go to the jokes because it feels right. more comfortable but back then i this was before i was in the wedding industry we were kids i was like what what is the deal with this ceremony like it's so weird like it's just it had no i don't know it just felt too irreverent you know yeah yeah i it's hard because th look they're they're paying us to give them guidance and you can give them guidance and it doesn't mean they're going to agree with it. They may really want to say what they want to say, no matter what you tell them. And I had, I had one of my first clients who, who's a wedding planner had her own vision for what she wanted to do. And it wasn't my vision. It, it was not at all what I would write for her. And, and my original draft for her was very different than what she was looking for. Ultimately my job was to help her refine her own vision yeah. and, and so when we're coming out of this, it's not, look, this is not my event. It's not my speech. It's not my marriage. I hope you can give you the guidance that I think will make this a more effective presentation. But, but if I, if all I do at the end is help you realize your vision a little bit better, then that, that works too. And that's, yeah. if you come out of this thinking I helped you, then, then it's money well spent on your part. And I'm happy that you're happy. It doesn't have to be a showcase piece for me. Yeah, I also just thought, yeah. like, I, I I have to imagine that for clients nationwide across the world, there aren't a lot of people in their lives they can probably go to to say, please help me with my vows. Like, I feel like that might feel like a real vulnerable place to allow one of your friends or family into, right? And it's sort of easier to do with a neutral third party. 
Absolutely. And I think there's also, I would say at least a third of our clients don't want anyone to know that they got help. Oh, for sure. Including their fiance sometimes. That makes sense to me. Yeah. So, which is, it's kind of a shame because they're not arranging their own flowers or, or, you know, there's, (laughs) they're not, yeah, yeah. They're not sewing their own dresses generally. Yeah. So there are people that can help you do this the way that you want to do it. And so I'm hoping over time that we remove the stigma to that and that people just know simply that they have help available to them and that all you have to do is ask for it or look for it and you'll find it. And you don't have to have anxiety. You might just simply run out of time. You might simply, well, you might have all the talent to do it and run out and run out of time. Well, and I don't know that I have stressed. the talent to do it, but I, I certainly run out of time. And I, I wrote my vows. Oh, I can't even believe I'm admitting this. I wish you were around 10 years ago, Brian. I wrote my <laughs> vows on the Thursday before my Saturday wedding in my hotel room in Philadelphia by going to the internet and typing non-traditional vows. Yeah. And figuring out if I could cobble together someone else's words to something that kind of made sense to me and then kind of maybe rework it in my own words. And my husband, unbeknownst to me, had spent a long time working on his vows and they were beautiful. And mine were kind of like funny and practical. And in the end, I was like, oh, he really like he really outdid me on these vows. (laughs) I ran out of time, you know? Yeah, ironically, we didn't even do our own vows back when, when we got married because, well, I didn't even, I don't think I even thought of it. This is a bit, our business is now, at, well, as of January, it will be a year and a half old or, uh, or something like that. But when we got married, it wasn't even a thought to do it. And my wife, Nicole, said that she just didn't want to do it because she knew I was a professional writer and she didn't <laughs> want to have to compete with this. And, yeah. and so she would have totally done the same. She would have gotten help if she could have. And I think that's particularly true for ceremonies because people go online every day. Now that we have friends and family getting ordained online, and that's how I got ordained and how I married three people. But people go online and they Google how to write a ceremony and they get Mm -hmm. the, or they get the parts of a ceremony. It's a template. Yeah. And those are the people that you would expect to personalize the ceremony instead. Right. Right. That's the reason they were picked is because it's someone special that knows them and that's funny and charismatic. And then they wind up picking this boring, generic ceremony that everybody in the audience has heard before in one form or another. And it and it just doesn't go anywhere. And so they're happy that, you know, they're happy for the couple, but it doesn't have the same ring. But I think being able to I, I think the expectation that your friend or family member, just because they're funny and they're and they're charismatic or they're close to you, that they can write an eight to ten minute narrative about your relationship is a big expectation of them. It's huge. And, and I, yeah, it's huge. Yeah. I'd also go on record as saying, do not pick your funniest friend to be your officiant because then they're going to think the whole thing is about them and really it's about you. Just to say, just say, like when, when my clients tell me like, oh, unless they're working with us and then we can, unless help. they're working with us. But like, I have clients that tell me like, oh, we're going to ask my cousin. He's super outgoing and funny. I'm like, yeah, he's probably the yeah. wrong choice, but okay. Yeah. So, you know, we, what we do in those cases is we interview the couple, but we also interview the ceremony officiant that knows them. And yes, so we perfect. get we get three perspectives on that. If the ceremony officiant is, is in the marriage, then maybe they, they have some commentary about what makes a marriage work, you know, and the kinds of things that they think are special. But, but, but that's how you get people excited about the rest of the evening is to get them invested in the story. The assumption that people know in the audience, how you got together, your, how you met, what you love about each other, that's stuff that they might not even know, even if they're close friends of yours. That's true. It might just be something you've never brought up. 
or they uh, or like I they have... think like oh they should know that and the friend's too embarrassed to be like wait how did you meet again <laughs> yeah one of my favorite stories i have this i have this uh this couple and the the husband is specifically quiet and to many of people off-putting he's just really untalkative and and it turns out that this guy this guy learned like every ariana grande song because he knew his wife was a big fan and he was taking her to the concert and he wanted to be able to sing along with her in the, Aww, in the tweens. That's so sweet. That were, that, you know? And this is the guy that everybody thinks is this, you know, complete wall. Yeah. And, and he's and he's the guy that learns Disney songs and sings them around the house. And that's he, really you know, sweet. It was just this per- persona that nobody really knew that she knew. Yeah. But it, it came out in the ceremony because we did the interview and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait, wait a second. <laughs> Tell me more about that. <laughs> Right. That's amazing. I love that. See, I love that stuff. And you wouldn't know unless you ask. And I feel like the neutral third party, like you guys, is is the person to ask. You know what I didn't ask you, which I'm sure most most listeners are now thinking is how long does this all take? This whole process. It can take as little as a day and a half. I mean, if I do the interview correctly, it doesn't take that long to write because I've got all the material in it. And there, if it's a good interview, the, the thread's already there and I just have to have to blast it out. And that could be, you know, it might take me 30 minutes, it might take me an hour, but I, I can get it done. That's amazing. The, the, the issue, and, and it's not just me, uh, I'm not the only writer, so we have other writers and they're all great. We can do it within an, a, a couple of days. So I had a bride call on a Friday for a Sunday wedding. We did the interview Friday evening. I gave her the first draft Saturday morning. She practiced it Saturday afternoon with us. And then the next day she had a wedding and we practiced it one more time before the wedding. That's amazing. And, and she, you know, she probably didn't do as good of a job as she could have, if she had had two weeks to, to work on the presentation and, mm-hmm. and read it and get close to memorizing it sure, and, sure. and really, really refine it. But what it did is it took all of the anxiety of, of ruining this one, <laughs> of ruining her own vows because she didn't put the time in and took that away and then suddenly she went in feeling really good about the content and really good about doing it. And she killed it. And she got applauded. And, and it, was, it was great. So we could do it that fast, but I'd really rather see planners work on this a little, introduce this a little earlier, at minimum two weeks. And that'll give people at least that first week to work on the presentation with us with the expectation that by the second week they're in the in crazy mode and they can't necessarily yeah um, they're, they're yeah. either traveling or they're getting or you have people traveling in and you know they're just not going to have the same kind of attention span so that also, first yeah i would also suggest though for planners listening right like there's always this natural like lull that happens when you're like waiting for rsvps to come back in and your clients are like what should we be doing what should we be doing it's like that's when i always say, work on hey, this work on this yeah. like go work on your ceremony go work on your vows call brian like this is when you should be doing it not two weeks before the wedding if they if they've waited that long and you haven't brought it up that's on you, wedding planners. So I would say put it in your workflow even earlier than that. And I would argue even, you know, you mentioned you always ask for the the speeches ahead of time. A lot of those speeches are probably not written until the last week before oh, the wedding. Oh, right. That is and very true. I would encourage planners to ask much earlier who's going to be the problem here at least you know <laughs> yeah. you know is, is there which one of you know which one of these speakers is likely to go wrong and be boring or which one of them is freaking out because because they're not used to public speaking and they're not even sure they want to do this and they're probably going to procrastinate and so yeah. maybe maybe two or three months before the wedding you you introduce them to us we work on it with the father-in-law so they don't put 
together a 45 minute presentation, you know, presentation. With PowerPoints or, and props. With and, PowerPoint. Yeah. And that's happened, right? That's happened. <laughs> One of the things that I, I, I speak to wedding planners multiple times a day. I've probably spoken to hundreds and hundreds of wedding planners now, and I have gotten so many stories. I'm collecting them. And I always ask them, what are your, what are some of your horror, horror stories when it comes to the wedding speeches or the ceremonies? And, and, and I get so many different stories that are unbelievable oh, yeah. and horrible stories. And these are from luxury wedding planners in many mm-hmm. cases. And it's just sad. So like, why should, why you're spending $400,000 on a wedding possibly, or even more. Mm-hmm. And, and the wedding represent the, the speeches section is supposed to represent what, like 12% or 10% of that entire time. Yep. That's a pretty good chunk of money devoted to that That's right. period if, of time. If it goes south, it goes south. Yeah. So why would you put that in danger by not being attentive to the fact that the father of the bride perhaps is going to, you know, that person's going to get hammered and drink 12 bourbons and mm-hmm. then go on for 20 minutes. Oh, right? listen, not, I had a father of the bride once awesome. make a sexual assault joke to open his toast, which he thought was hilarious. And my assistant turned to me and said, did he just say what I, did I just hear? I'm like, uh-huh. And then it went yeah. downhill from there. And that was the, he would did, he did the welcome. That was the first thing that people heard after they sat down. I was like, Oh, this is There's so many wild. stories. So like everyone's yeah. got these stories, right? Like, and you know, the truth of it is like public speaking is what, is it still the number one fear of most people? I think. It's either that or, or being naked in public. Or, 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 <laughs> it's like public or being speaking, naked death and being naked. It's like in public. public. <laughs> Those are the three big ones. So like if someone would rather die than be, than speak yeah. in public and, and suddenly their daughter's like, Hey dad, will you do a toast at the wedding? Like just to have them, have them call Brian. Like, let's just right. cut, cut out the shenanigans here. For sure. or, or or just know that the people that you should be most afraid of might be the ones that are least afraid of talking in public. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that too. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, they know who these people are ahead of time. They always do. They know who they're going to be. They know the problem. People are obvious. Yeah. It's just that they don't know that there's anything to do about it. Right. And, and one nice thing, especially with clients that have a bigger budget, is that if they hire us to do all of the speeches, we can make sure each one is different. Yes. We can make sure they're all on time, but we can also put an order to it so that we make sure that the one person that's going to just absolutely slay because they've got all of the performance piece of it down and they've put the time in and they've got great material that let's just, let's make them last, right? Let's make sure that they're, we're not putting them on and then putting the, you know, the mother of the bride or the mother of the groom on who's already terrified of doing this and, and it's and it as good material and she's going to be fine, but she's not going to be this person, right? It's so uh, true. So, it's so, 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 so true. But, but it's something that we just have to get used to. It's, it's our job as a company to get the word out and make sure people understand this is a service and whether that happens through the wedding planners or through the videographers who have to edit this crap at the end of the, you know, at the end of the whole thing right? they're the ones that have to come back with a wedding video that that incorporates some of this and and they, they want good material there do you so, ever get to see uh, the videos of the wedding do people show you yeah yeah i'm starting to yeah That's great. you know we started a year and a half ago and and it, it seems like a lot of them are just coming in now, but, um, and these are the ones that are okay with us seeing it or us yeah. showing. It's hard to get them to release it publicly uh, because That's they're true. not, you know, they don't really want to advertise it all the time, but some of them are, and, and we've, we're going to be posting some of them. Oh, good. That'd uh, be so much fun to see. Yeah. It'll be, yeah. It's great. You know, there was one that, that came out that got, got sent to us recently and the entire six minute video that uh, for the wedding, the big summary video, I guess I, were the vows that Aww. was the background audio for the whole thing That's and nice and it and and 
you know, she was nervous and she was, you could tell there was, like her voice was a little shaky because she didn't want, she wasn't comfortable as a public speaker initially, but, but that came across as authentic and emotive. And it was, it was really beautiful. It was really cool. So it, awesome. it's some, so it's fun to have that material and, uh, and it's always, I mean, we just sat there crying when we saw it. So it's great. We get, we get excited. So we get, much. you know, we're, we're saps here. Yeah. <laughs> that's, why, that's why we're doing it. <laughs> I think you ended up in the right industry. I think politics isn't really suited for that kind of emotional. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't, you know, I thought I, as an, as an angry, uh, not, as an angry youth and someone that cared a lot about, you know, about politics, like I, I thought it was exciting at first, but uh, I'd rather, be, I'd rather be writing love stories and love songs. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Brian, where can people find you, you guys on the internet? Tell us all your handles, where they can come sure. to inquire. V-O-W-S, vows and the word and speeches.com. It's also our handle on Instagram and on Facebook, vows and speeches. Please reach out if you're a wedding planner. I'd love to just give you the give you some more of this and, and some more details on, on how we work with you. But otherwise, you just make the introduction to your clients. Some planners are actually incorporating into their full service packages. So they'll include a set of vows or a speech, the client's choice as a, as a thing that will help uh, make the wedding better and it's just part of the package automatically That's some venues are some venues are doing that as well so so just reach out but uh, or or make an introduction happy to talk with uh with your clients it's it's affordable it's certainly by the budgets that that we're seeing in a lot of the country this is not that not that difficult for them to do right. and it will definitely pull everything back into uh, control. <laughs> I love it. Brian, it's such a necessary service. I'm so glad you decided that day on Clubhouse to go grab that URL. Oh, it's been the it. greatest. Yeah. And I it's been great it. working. It's been great. I just want to say it's it's been wonderful to work in this industry with people like you and, and, and so many others that are, are so helpful and intent on sharing their knowledge. And, and, and it's just a different it's a different world coming from where I came from before. And it's, yeah. it's a pleasure to be a part of this industry and a, and a pleasure to work with you. That's so. so sweet, Brian. I feel the same. And thank you, uh, by the way, for being a sponsor of Conference Confident uh, in 2022 at Wedding MBA. Uh, we love having fun. you as a sponsor. And um, I think I can say this because we just found out um, we're recording this a few weeks ahead of time, but um, we just found out today that Amber and I have both been invited back to Wedding MBA. So Conference Confident Fantastic. will be happening in 2023 as well. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. We're excited Can't wait about to see it. it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, Brian, thank well, you again. You. Yeah. So lovely to have you. And for my listeners, thank you so much for spending your time with us this week. You know what I always say, your time is the one thing I know you cannot make any more of. So I always am very grateful and honored that you chose to spend it with us. We will see you next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now, friends. Thanks for listening to Talk with Renee Dallow. Dive into the show notes at reneedallow.com forward slash podcast. And connect with Renee at Talk with Renee Dallow on Instagram.